What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. We're continuing our series on atonement today and again from last week. Atonement is a word that describes how we become at one with God. We are in the season of Easter and just a few weeks ago we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this series on atonement, we are trying to work out what Jesus' resurrection does for us. What does it mean for us? How does it benefit us? We are exploring how the resurrection of Jesus Christ and being at one with God fit together. Last week, we looked at the first step in atonement, which is that we cannot make ourselves righteous. We can't do anything to get right with God. I'm sure to some of you, at least, that doesn't sound right. But in our Bible study on Sunday afternoon, Eric said he understood me to be saying that getting right with God cannot be transactional. And I think that's a great way to put it. We can't make a deal with God. We can't be so good that God is good to us. We also can't be so bad that God stops loving us. All God asks for is a commitment to him. Even if you're good, even if you're bad, just say yes to God today are made right with God. But that raises all kinds of questions. Why is anyone a good person if it doesn't make us right with God? Did Jesus die on the cross for no reason then? And why are we letting bad people off the hook? That seems to go against God being holy and righteous and good. So today we're going to look at just how far this atonement goes. Does this work for everyone? Do even bad people get the benefits of atonement? Most vexing of all, what good is it to be good? Let's hear our scripture for today to guide our thoughts. We're going to hear from Karen. She's going to read for us from 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I invite you now to hear the word of the Lord. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Darkness has brought on blindness, 
sure that everyone who does right has been born of God. And from John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may we be an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Open our hearts today that we might be made right with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In the 1920s, scientists made a discovery that changed the way we think about the world. When they measured the movement of the tiniest particles of an atom, they found that they could never accurately predict where they would end up. I know I just lost half the audience out of boredom bringing up, up quantum mechanics, but I promise this is interesting. This is going somewhere. Essentially, the options were it shows up on the left or it shows up on the right. And the conclusion that they eventually came to was that it wasn't showing up in just one place, the left or the right. It was showing up in both places. The problem was every time they went to look at it, they could only see it in one or the other, not in both. Quantum mechanics, this is called wave function collapse, and I absolutely do not understand it. But what I do understand is that some very, very smart people believe that every time we make a choice, that we see, uh, what we see is choosing essentially the left or the right, but what actually happens is both. How can that be? Well, these brilliant minds believe that every choice we make Splits the world in two. There is the world we see with our eyes, and then there's the world that we don't see that exists in another dimension where we made the other choice. You can actually download an app on your phone called the Universe Splitter. You write in your two options, and then when you push the button, it will pick one. The idea is that the universe is forever split between choice A and choice B between the world we see, where you picked one thing, and another world where you chose something else. Now, I'm not sure how much I buy into this way of thinking about the world, but I imagine for many people, this could feel like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's as though every choice we make doesn't matter because somewhere else we chose the other thing. Our mistakes aren't mistakes somewhere else. We can take back every bad thing we said, every mean thing we did, every bad choice we made. I can assume that in another world, I ate healthier and exercised more. Uh, my family loved me more, and I showed them better that I loved them too. Wouldn't we all love to simply pick the timeline, that other dimension that best fits what we really want in life? Wouldn't it be the best world where we could simply have everything go our way? I think I might pick the timeline where I get ripped and buy some winning lottery tickets. Sounds good, doesn't it? Consider this. What might you go back to and change? What would you do differently if you could have a do-over? When it comes to atonement, that's almost like what happens. We mess up, and it's as though the slate is wiped clean, as if our mistakes never happened. Now, when the slate is wiped clean for us, we probably think, oh, good, I'm free and I won't be punished. But when it happens to someone else, we might be less happy about it. 
Why does someone else get off scot-free? It's good when it's for me, but it's bad when it's for others, especially my enemy. That doesn't make sense, though, does it? It should be the same for everyone. Either everyone is guilty, or everyone gets to go free, right? That's essentially what the argument over limited atonement is. Does everybody go free, literally everyone? Or is atonement, this cleansing and cleaning the slate, only happen for Christians, for those who commit themselves to Jesus Christ? There's one verse in particular that sticks in my mind. Jesus is praying just before his betrayal and eventual crucifixion. This is John 17. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. That sounds like Jesus is picking out just a few people. There are some that he will make right, and others that he will ignore or maybe even punish. This slate is not right clean for all of us. It's only for some. There's another verse, also from John, that points in the complete opposite direction. You heard it today already, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. God doesn't just love a few of us, or just love those who, are, who behave rightly. God loves the whole world. Now you might be thinking at this point, okay, but who cares? What difference does it make if God loves everyone, or God just loves those who follow the rules? I think makes all the difference in the world. It fundamentally changes how we think about the world around us. Are we the good guys and everybody else is a bad guy? Or are we all in this journey together, believers and non-believers alike? I'll give you a great example. I mentioned earlier the Bible study we had last week. Well, there was more excitement than just us talking through the finer points of atonement. We actually got zoomed on. If you haven't heard about this before, it's where uh, strangers get a bunch of people to join a virtual online meeting and start harassing the people and try causing chaos. Well, I was wise to it. It didn't take more than one sentence out of the first person's mouth for me to figure out what was happening and to start removing them from the virtual meeting. But I am left wondering, why in the world did these young people do this? Why would they harass and curse at some people just trying to study the Bible? And it would be easy to see them as the enemy. They did a bad thing, and they should be punished. That comes naturally to many of us. Bad deeds get punished. But in the end, what they did was not particularly heinous, was it? It was a silly, dumb prank that was poorly executed. After it was over, we quickly moved on to continue our discussion. And I wonder, would God look at those pranksters and say, you have sinned, I did not die on the cross for you? Or would he say, I love the world, I love you, and there is nothing you can do to separate yourself from my love? They are very different positions. So what does First John teach us about sin and atonement? Is it limited to just those who turn to God? Or is Jesus' death truly for everyone, even the Zoom bombers? Well, one thing is abundantly clear. We all sin, even those who claim to follow Jesus. That's found in a, a verse just a few before today's reading. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
The good news is that if we confess our sins, we will be cleansed. And in our other passage today, we see another verse that says uh, Jesus' death on the cross is for the sins of the whole world. Here we get the picture that this is, isn't just for some, it's for all. Jesus' sacrifice was offered not only for Christians, but even for those who chose to remain God's enemies. But the writer John isn't satisfied with people who say they know God but refuse to obey Him. Our obedience reveals our commitment to God. This is a tricky point because we know we are going to keep sinning no matter how strong our commitment to God might be. But if we let sin dominate our lives, how can we call ourselves Christians? I heard someone share recently that they understood this to be the difference between knowing of the, between sinning and knowing you are wrong, feeling guilty and wanting to change, versus sinning and reveling in it. If you love your sin and won't back down from it, you don't know what is the standard of whether we what we do is sin or not? Well, that's the easy part. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light. It's love, plain and simple. If you love others, and here John is referring specifically to other Christians, then you show you love God. So the way I understand this is, one, Jesus died for everybody, including the Zoom moms. And two, when we show our love for other Christians, we prove that we really are followers of Christ. Now, this is all well and good until a Christian does something wrong, right? Then the rubber meets the road. Imagine a Christian does something pretty awful. The first thing I think of is my mother saying, and forgive me, Mom, if you ever do hear this. Uh, I don't mean this offensively. How could a Christian do that? And yeah, maybe we are surprised, but who hasn't sinned? The real question to ask after a Christian sins is, are you still a Christian? Do you still want to follow Christ? Because if you do, you need to repent and get back on track with God. That's the loving thing. That's the thing that shows we care about one another. I wonder again, what might you change in your past? What action will you take with a do-over? Maybe instead of accusing someone or trying to drive them out of church, you might ask them if they want to keep being a Christian. Maybe you would go and get another person to help you in a tough conversation where you aren't sure what a loving response might be. The goal is not to drive out the heathens, that points the finger right back at us. The goal is to love others well. To actually become the way in which people know and experience God's atonement. God wants all people to be made right with him, but not all people choose it. Not all accept God's grace and redemption. We make the choice to receive it ourselves and then we invite others and encourage them to receive it too. I think of 
Christine, our, our youth director here at Grace, she showed me a little love with the confirmation class. We've been meeting via Zoom on Wednesday nights, and I told Christine I wasn't feeling 100% because I just received my second COVID vaccine the day before. I was going to sign in and be present, but probably not participate Monday. She said, it's okay. I got this. She knows what it's like to be sick and to be obligated to do something. It's not fun. So she said, it's okay, Pastor. I got this one. That's the love that reminds us of God's atonement and keeps us encouraged in this kingdom work. I think of Carol, who faithfully visited Mark Van Howling for weeks. I shared at the Easter sunrise service how he has struggled with a, a stroke and cancer diagnosis. When I went to see him, he was in rough shape, and we got a list of people from Grace who volunteered to go and visit him. Because of COVID, though, the hospital said, no, sorry, only one person is allowed to visit him. And Carol said, I'll go. If you know what's been happening in her life, it's even more amazing. She's had to move three times in the last few months, yet despite all the upheaval in her own life, she took time to remind Mark of God's love and of the church's love, too. She was even with him. I also think of John. Most folks don't know this, but John is faithfully working to maintain this church building. I live next door to the church, so I see him in and out almost on a daily basis checking in. The dishwasher was leaking in the kitchen, destroying the flooring, even though no one was using it. John was on it to make sure it got repaired. The boiler experienced damage that the repairman said he had never seen in his life before. John was there making sure repairs were done right. When we worship in the church, John is here every Sunday early in the morning making sure the heat is on and everything is working appropriately. These are the small acts of love and the way that John says, I love this church. I love this community. The actions we take either reveal God's atonement, that we are forgiven and loved in the church, or they don't. Love your church family and show you live in the light. Love others as Jesus loves you. One last story as we close today. Wells Crowther has always worn a red bandana since he was a little boy. His father gave it to him and he took it everywhere. When he volunteered with the Empire Hook and Ladder Company at age 16, he carried it with him. When he played lacrosse for Boston College, he tied it around his head and wore it under his helmet. Even when he took a job as a equities trader working on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center South Tower, he brought it with him. Wells always kept his bandana close, and it was with him on September 11, 2001, when United Airlines Flight 175 exploded into the South Tower. Several floors below Wells, Lynn Young was blown back by the explosion and couldn't see anything at first because her eyeglasses were covered in blood. When she wiped them off, Lynn saw a world of nightmare. Lynn didn't know how long her luck would hold. Then she saw a young man through the smoke and ash. He said, I found the stairs, follow me. Wells led Lynn and others down 17 flights of stairs to where firefighters led survivors down another 20 floors to a set of still working elevators. But Wells didn't follow them. Instead, he went back up a red bandana wrapped around his nose and mouth. He found Judy Wine in the rubble. Her arm was broken, ribs cracked. One of her lungs was punctured. 
Wells called out, everyone who can stand, stand out. If you can help others, do so. Wells led Judy down the stairs again to a band of waiting firefighters. And then he went back up again. Wells didn't make it out of the South Tower. Perhaps he never expected to. It's said that he saved a dozen people's lives that day. He was 24 years old. Lynn keeps a photo of Wells in her apartment. She says, without him, I wouldn't be here. He saved my life, and he will always be in my heart, always be with me. That red bandana is part of the 9-11 the museum now. What he did that day is a reminder to all of us what the church ought to look like. We love endlessly that others might know the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are made right with God, not because of a deal we make with God or because of our own sacrifice. We are made right with God, and then we love others the way God loves us. Without regard for our sin, with total reckless abandon, with sacrificial love, that knows no bounds. This is God's atonement, a limitless blessing available to all, known through our love for all. Amen. Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.